This episode is brought to you by Katsu Training. Katsu bands incorporate blood flow moderation training that trick the body into thinking that it's lifting heavier weights than it actually is. When traditional weightlifting requires you to reach 70 to 80% of your one repetition maximum to stimulate muscle hypertrophy, then Katsu achieve that effect only at 20 to 30%. So it's perfect for treating injuries or use when you don't have access to heavy weights. Research about Katsu bands also shows it lowers blood pressure, speeds up recovery from injuries, releases stem cells, builds muscle, burns fat, and prevents age-related muscle loss. These things are a game-changer, and I use them almost every day. If you want to try out the Katsu Cycle Bands, then use the code SEAM for a 10% discount at katsu-global.com. That's katsu-global.com, and the 10% code is SEAM, S-I-I-M. But uh, anyway, today I wanted to do like a podcast for my birthday, uh, which is... Uh, Quite a fun, funny thing, and uh, like um, just wanting to share some information with you guys as well, and uh, just uh, have a conversation. So we'll be doing like a Q and A about anything uh, related to just uh, health, fasting, diet, nutrition, exercise, sleep, uh, stress management, and everything related. And also, I'll, I'll be doing like a giveaway for my new book, Stronger by Stress. <laughs> so you're gonna have to stay until the end of the live stream uh, to. I'll, I'll ask like a question in the end and I'll just pick the first person uh, who is uh, who is uh, going to you know answer it correctly and they're gonna win the copy of the book of the book so I'll send it out for you so uh, yeah in the meanwhile we'll be doing like a regular Q&A talk about uh, anything uh, that you have like any questions you might have so feel free to just uh, start popping uh, some questions uh, well first question is uh, what is your number one way to improve HDL so HDL cholesterol, the quote-unquote uh, good cholesterol. Uh, well, I think uh, the most important thing is to just, uh, you know, exercise and become metabolically flexible, so to say. So you you want to lose weight, you want to fix insulin resistance, you want to uh, not overeat calories and essentially fix, yeah, like this, your lipid profile. So generally, generally like a high HDL is a good thing and uh, you know some some foods necessarily may help to raise it uh, but i think the most important thing is to just become healthy and fix all the underlying metabolic dysfunction you might have and uh, you know my own hdl tends to be around like 60 or uh, 70 or even like 80 sometimes uh, milligrams per deciliter so i don't do like any particular <laughs> particularly crazy thing to raise it i just I stick to the healthy diet and uh, and yeah like just uh, keep the weight off Mm. Have you tried Astragalus and uh, Cat's Claw? Um, I haven't tried those ones specifically, but uh, I do have uh, like uh, tried some similar other ones, like uh, all these other, you know, ginseng and uh, berberine and, uh, you know, turmeric, gi ginger, those things. Are, I, I do use them every once in a while. I don't use them every day, but the kind of the main mechanism or the main benefit that you get from those uh, things is to kind of. Uh, activation of these longevity pathways like uh, AMPK and autophagy and suppression of things like mTOR and insulin. So I would use them only on uh, like days where I want to go into like deeper autophagy or if I'm uh, trying to you know promote the clearance of like senescent cells or something like that uh, because you don't really want to be taking them on a continuously all the time uh, because that's that, that can uh, lead to like some metabolic problems and uh, it's like the same with like metformin or um, or rapamycin or like even like fasting, you don't necessarily want to be fasting every day all the time. 
uh, in terms of like fasting for several days in a row or you know, continuously pushing the stress so those things uh these compounds they mimic some aspects of fasting by stimulating the same same pathways so you would want to uh, couple them with the same goals so if a, if a goal is like muscle growth then they, they're not definitely the best things uh, they're all only like more beneficial for um the other side of the coin, which is uh, these uh, longevity pathways and autophagy real that uh, functions. Uh, best solution for good health hair, please. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not a, like a hair specialist and uh, I don't like have any hair routine or something. Uh, I don't uh, take like specific care for my health because uh, I've never had any health problems or hair, hair problems. Uh, but generally, I think uh, nutrition is a pretty good uh, thing so you would want to get all the essential nutrients, especially, you know, proteins, amino acids and fatty acids. Your uh, hair is made of protein, basically. And uh, yeah, just making sure that you eat enough protein or and you don't want to, you don't want to be imposing a lot of like uh, nutrient deficiencies on yourself and or, or even like, uh, you know, uh, the calorie restriction and uh, stress in general, like a, uh, a low thyroid and uh, excess cortisol, excess stress is uh, definitely going to promote hair loss and uh, losing hair. Uh, whereas, you know, exercising in moderation and um, fasting in moderation and uh, eating enough calories and eating enough uh, protein, then uh, those things are uh, promoting hair health. And also like specific nutrients would be maybe like zinc and uh, yeah, magnesium is probably important for stress management especially. So I would uh, pay attention to that. Uh, Next question. Do you regularly detox other than sauna? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, it's a, like a, like a misleading question in a way, because we're already doing detox almost all the time to a certain, to a certain extent. So the liver is like on a daily basis, we are detoxifying many things, like even just the random particles in our air, the food, uh, ingredients, uh, you know, yeah, like our own, our own like fatty acid stores or like there's some store store toxins in our uh, bloodstream or or fatty acid tissue that are being mobilized on a daily basis. So we're de detoxifying all the time. Uh, like what I'm doing to like support that thing is like a regular sauna because uh, yeah, you do sweat out uh, like uh, a lot of the toxins. So it's, it's one of the best ways to do it. Uh, so uh, some studies show yeah, doing uh, sauna sweating, you excrete all the heavy metals, different heavy metals and other like, uh, uh, you know, toxins. So uh, yeah, like I, I do think the sauna is the best thing. The second best thing is like exercise because you know, you're mimicking a lot of the benefits of the sauna with exercise by sweating and uh, exercising. And uh, like fasting does it as well. But with the thing with fasting is that like you're burning fat when you are fasting and uh, that can also mobilize some of the like uh, the toxins that you get uh, in your in your stored adipose tissue into the bloodstream and then you may get like some detox uh, symptoms so um, I would uh, yeah like be wary of that or like at least uh, be aware of it and uh, yeah like you can take like I, I I did a, like a podcast with Dave Asprey and he did uh, mention that the way to prevent those detox symptoms is to uh, take like activated charcoal or some of these binders that would bind to those uh, toxins, so to say, so you wouldn't get like uh, fatigue and uh, like breakouts from the detoxification. So uh, charcoal is good, uh, even like these different you know, spirulina or algae uh, and uh, uh, some, some uh, that you add like, like a binder clay into your water. Um, 
where is your favorite place to meditate? Well, uh, I don't uh, meditate on a regular basis at the moment. I haven't been doing it for like uh, a few years because I ha haven't felt the need to do it. But I do, let's say, meditate during uh, exercise something. <laughs> it's a very meditative thing and I feel that I get the benefits from uh, exercising uh, as well in terms of the meditative state and kind of um, enabling my, my, my mind to go into this uh, relaxed state. Uh, so I would remember like doing these uh, handstands or something is a good way to meditate. But if I did meditate, uh, like then I would, uh, I like to do it like in the bed, like right after waking up, I would, uh, before doing anything else, I'll just uh, lay there a little bit and meditate for maybe like five to 10 minutes. Uh, and I, and I, may, I may even do it like when I'm like driving or not not in a, not in the wheel, but uh, you know in the, in the passenger seat, I'll like take a nap and I'll meditate uh, during that time because meditation also helps to uh, get some of the benefits of napping or sleep. So kind of your brain does go into this semi relaxed and repair state. Um, next question. Tips on giving up caffeine and coffee. Well, well, it's uh, it depends on how addicted you are <laughs> to caffeine and how dependent your body is. So uh, if you're like super dependent of caffeine and you can't really wake up without drinking coffee, then uh, the first thing that you can do, or the easiest thing, is to just uh, start drinking like green tea or something, or just gradually decrease the dose. Uh, because if you go cold turkey, then uh, it's going to be very hard to actually stay functional and stay awake <laughs> without any caffeine if your body is really dependent on it. So, uh, yeah, like uh, gradually waning yourself off, like, you know, one less cup a day, <laughs> one less cup a day, one less cup a day. And then maybe using only like green tea or something uh, that can be um, useful for that. But the best thing is to just never become addicted to caffeine in the first place. <laughs> so to never to never really uh, drink that much caffeine and uh, that you would become dependent. So uh, kind of managing your own uh, daily dosage. So I personally drink only like one to two cups of coffee a day and I never get like the anxiety or never get like the dependency. So I can quit like whenever I want to and I don't feel tired uh, if I don't drink coffee and I don't f and I don't need caffeine to uh, keep myself up. So like even if I sleep for like maybe three or two hours per night sometimes then uh, even then i don't need caffeine to like stay awake the next day to question uh what's your current protocol seam are you currently running a tkd keto what's your carb intake generally each week yeah well uh, at the moment um i'm doing i'm doing uh yeah like i either targeted keto diet or cyclical so uh, I do keep my carbs in pretty regularly and probably more so than um, in the past. So um, on some days when I don't work, my basic philosophy is that if I don't work out, then I'll just eat very low carb, uh, basically zero carb and like only like some green vegetables. And if I work out, then I'll just have more carbs, uh, but I've generally still like some lower carb sources. Uh, and on some days I'll have like some tubers as well, maybe like some potatoes. But I generally, if I do increase my carbs, then it comes from uh, these lower carb tubers like, you know, carrots or uh, berries and uh, fruit as well. So currently it's like the, you know, fall, fall season and we have like some apples here, pears. So uh, I'll eat those, uh, but uh, probably I won't be even eating them when it's like winter. Uh, but I'm 
basically still doing, let's say, this sort of a targeted intermittent fasting that I call, which is uh, I like almost eat one meal a day, but I have like a protein uh, shake during my workout if I do resistance training. So it's going to basically give me like one and a half meals <laughs> per day. And I get like two uh, protein synthesis uh, or like, you know, like more, you know, like two to three uh, protein synthesis uh, per day. And it's uh, really good for getting the benefits of eating one meal a day while still being able to build muscle with it and without uh, losing muscle. Uh, if I do high protein diet OMAD, but also add 30 grams of oatmeal, will I still lose weight? Uh, well, for sure, it depends, <laughs> depends on how many calories you're eating. So there's nothing specifically in oatmeal that would make you gain weight uh, other than the calories. So, uh, you know, calories still matter. And uh, you, can, you can do OMAD and still gain weight if you overeat calories. And you can lose weight eating OMAD if you undereat calories. So um, 30 grams of oatmeal is very, very few calories. And it shouldn't make you gain weight uh, unless you, you know, end up uh, over-consuming calories. Um. If I get enough vitamins from meat and organs, it is okay to eat other unhealthy foods if my goal isn't to lose weight. Uh, yeah, well, I, I do think that uh, to a certain extent uh, that is, uh, you know, correct. So I don't think you need to be eating a 100% clean diet to be healthy or uh, to uh, have good body composition and uh, have vitality. So, uh, and if, especially if you're eating like organ meats and uh, meats. So you're getting basically all the vitamins and minerals you need from those organ meats. And uh, at, and you won't, let's say, miss out on some of the key nutrients. But uh, at the same time, I, I don't think it's a good idea to be, let's say, combining these, uh, uh, like, let's say, especially like high fat meats and uh, organ meats with uh, these uh, unhealthy foods. So I would imagine that the unhealthy foods would be like these processed foods, uh, like, you know, pizzas or donuts. So I, I wouldn't personally eat like this high saturated fat and uh, animal food uh, with these are processed foods because uh, yeah, it's uh, not the ideal combo. So, but at the same time, it's still a better alternative. <laughs> uh, will fasting for a tough how to fight the virus? <laughs> well, uh, I did. I do. I do have a video in the past where I talk about it. Uh, so, autophagy has an important role in uh, your immunity and uh, essentially fighting pathogens through a process called xenophagy eliminating uh, various bacteria and including some viruses but at the same time the autophagy process can also uh, keep some malignant cells alive so it uh, depends uh, it depends on a lot on the particular virus and uh, when did you catch it and uh, what's your current state of immune functioning so to say so it's uh, one variable i do like i do think it can help to let's say pro protect you against some of the like uh, catching it, so to say, because if you are in, in, in like deep ketosis and autophagy, then uh, these bacteria don't have uh, enough of a foothold to, uh, you know, get out of hand, so to say. So they'll never get into this, uh, they'll never get their foot in the door, if that makes sense, because uh, you are like semi-deprived of nutrients and your body is already actively engaged in uh, this uh, xenophagic process where it's eliminating these pathogens and the other uh other uh, malignant uh, parts in real time but uh, yeah it depends a lot on other factors as well so I wouldn't say it's it's going to be like a fix but at the same time I personally feel better if I were to like it's 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 it's, it's at least like a better uh, option than um, being in a high hyperglycemic state with high um, high levels of blood sugar because that's going to actually shown to um, 
jeopardize your immune function and uh, yeah, lower the amount of immune cells, especially like uh, sugar and uh, like uh, you know carbs, overall high blood sugar. Do you think about the idea of taking some leucine in your fasting window during OMAD, so increase muscle protein biosynthesis without spiking insulin? Well, uh, leucine uh, will still spike insulin, um, and it will raise mTOR, so leucine is like the key uh, nutrient for uh, protein synthesis and mTOR stimulation. So taking it in a faster state would uh, stop some of the benefits from that, from the like uh, autophagy and fasting. So I wouldn't take it during uh, the fastest age, but you can take it uh, with a with a food to kind of uh, emphasize the protein synthesis that you get from that. Mm, and uh, yeah, like it could be helpful if you're um, trying to build muscle, but at the same time, if you're already eating OMAD and you are eating like a total amount of your total daily protein intake is still um, sufficiently high, then uh, it's uh, not going to do like a, anything extra so the total daily protein intake is much more important but if you're trying to yeah like I would I wouldn't take it though with the fasting window mm. can we eat banana once in a while when doing cyclical or targeted keto yes you can uh, the bananas are great for uh, targeted keto especially because of like their high glycemic and uh, very fast digestible so uh, and they're not like the super high in calories. So you can do if you're doing targeted keto, then you can have like this banana uh, before a heavy uh, resistance and high intensity workout. So uh, like if you're doing like some weights or you're going for um, some hit class or a long marathon, then you can have the banana and you can basically burn it off also during the exercise and uh, go back into ketosis afterwards. Mm. How, how to treat acne on face? Well, uh, I'm not a skin specialist, and I don't have I don't have any experience with acne or any skin problems. Uh, but uh, I do think that one of the key things is to again lose weight and uh, also like improve your gut health because uh, gut dysbiosis can uh, cause like this in inflammation, especially in the like it's gonna come it's gonna manifest or break out on the skin. Uh, and uh, also one key thing that um, a lot of people don't know is that the mTOR pathway is also responsible for uh, inflammatory acne. So mTOR, you know, the muscle growth switch, it can also promote uh, acne if you're like um, ex overexpressing mTOR and if you have high IGF-1. So this uh, overexpression of growth will uh, create these uh, skin problems and uh, acne. So how do you fix that? Uh, well, I think uh, personally... Losing weight again is good, and uh, not eating these processed foods that cause inflammation. Uh, you know, maybe the saunas can be saunas are also good for the skin health and uh, clearing inflammation. And uh, like I, yeah, like insulin resistance is also like important to fix because um, you have to kind of realize that if you're insulin resistant or if you have like hyperglycemia, high blood sugar all the time, then your mTOR is basically turned on twenty four seven because uh, high blood sugar and high insulin is going to uh, turn on mTOR so you're basically growing all the time <laughs> at least at least on the physiological level in the body and that will just uh, overexpress mTOR and promote the uh, bad skin 
So fasting can help for, for that, just just uh, by suppressing mTOR and uh, lowering insulin and uh, blood sugar. Do do do. Another question. How to deal with anxiety? Well, I think, uh, well, there are many kind of factors that can contribute to that. One of them is definitely like the physiological aspect of anxiety. Maybe, uh, maybe you have like things like inflammation and oxidative stress can uh, promote depression and uh, these anxiety-like symptoms. So uh, maybe you, you have to deal with that. Sleep deprivation can definitely promote that. Too much caffeine can uh, promote anxiety. Uh, too much stress can cause anxiety and uh yeah like these environmental pollutants or like this underlying underlying chronic inflammatory uh uh you know conditions will uh, promote that and maybe like gut dysbiosis so i i personally like to you know meditate i i find like maybe maybe meditation or some breathing exercises can help to kind of find this clarity or uh, calmness during the day but at the same time also i find just not not being uh, so reliant of the opinion of others and like the external world so it's a very like a stoic approach is uh, perfect for this because uh instead of instead of uh you know what, what is anxiety in a sense you're anxious about uh you're or, like uncertain about the outcome of certain events so maybe like you know the pandemic or the news some uh, global crises they can cause anxiety because you're like you know you're uncertain about the outcome of those events but at the same time you can also be anxious because of like uh you know being afraid of what other people think of you or uh, being uh uncertain about what would be, what would like happen if you talk to someone or something else so uh rather than trying to rely on the feedback from the outside world or others you should have to kind of um, push or pull that uh center of gravity towards yourself so to say so you have the internal locus of control so you are only focusing on the things that you can control and you're focusing on your own thoughts and actions uh, so it's like a very stoic uh, approach or the stoic philosophy has uh, probably been one of the best things uh, for just for my own uh, peace of mind so to say and creating this uh, calmness that uh, outside events don't uh, you know wipe me out and outside events can't really harm me unless I choose to do it uh, unless I choose uh, unless I let them so it's always like internal locus of control that you are you are only focusing on your own internal um, internal uh, sensations and the ones that you can control rather than relying on uh, the outside world which would be the external locus of control uh, on my fasting days i've been taking trans resveratrol to boost the effects of the fast but resveratrol needs to be absorbed with fat so have one tablespoon of mct oil your thoughts on doing this on fast uh, well, yeah, it is true that uh, resveratrol absorbs better with uh, some fats, and uh, it is also true that uh, one tablespoon of MCT oil isn't necessarily going to uh, break the fast, and it's not going to stop a lot of the benefits of the fast. Like, you're not going to break ketosis, you're not going to raise your blood sugar, you're not going to stop autophagy, and uh, yeah, like, in theory, it would magnify some of the benefits of the fast. Uh, but at the same time, Fasting itself also uh, turns on the same pathways as resveratrol does. So I don't know like whether or not you need to take it in the first place <laughs> in a faster state, because you're already getting like the same benefits from resveratrol, especially like uh, sirtuins and uh, autophagy. So uh, yeah, I, I I personally would take it uh, if I wanted to, but I wouldn't uh, like uh, 
like there's no studies comparing the two which one is better like just reservoir troll or uh, fasting plus reservoir troll or just fasting so but but uh, i personally maybe like would take the reservoir troll on uh, days where you're eating so you would um still turn on some of the sirtuins and you would get like some semi fasting benefits on the days that you're eating but both both uh, strategies work all right let's take another question uh what do you think about DHEA supplementation over 40? After training, is it a good idea to take DHEA to overcome prior cortisol pathway? Yeah, uh, well, I think uh, DHEA uh, is a good is a good steroid hormone, so to say, your body. So your body does produce it natural as well. But as you get older, uh, or as you get like more stressed, then your body produces less of it. And you know, it's it's, it's it is good for like just general uh, stress management and testosterone production and yeah like fitness and fat loss and those sort of things so uh like a lot of there's like a lot of um let's say uh some uh studies show it can be harmful if you have like high blood pressure or hypertension but i personally don't think it's um uh, like a, it's not a big problem for most people especially if you're like healthy and fit if you have like some comorbidities then you probably would want to consult with your doctor uh, well, you would want to maybe consult with a doctor anyway <laughs> if you're taking it. But uh, yeah, like I, I, I personally think it's only maybe potentially harmful if you have, uh, you know, hypertension. And uh, taking it to uh, help with stress management is uh, good because stress uh, depletes DHEA. But uh, taking uh, the timing of the day is uh, is like maybe taking it in the early part is good. Uh, but uh, yeah, taking it in a faster state before eating is is what I would do. Do you think we red light from sun in our we uh, need red lights red light from sun in our eyes to charge our mitochondria? Well, uh, red light is uh, pretty important, so uh, it it does uh, help with mitochondrial uh, you know mitochondrial biogenesis and uh, mitochondrial density. So you will get like uh, some uh, improved energy production from red light, uh, like and you know you don't necessarily need to get it into your eyes to get the mitochondrial benefits because if you get it on your skin, then you also stimulate that same mitochondrial um, biogenesis uh, in the skin. But uh, getting it into your eyes is still important for the circadian rhythm uh, perspective. So. Um, the most of the circadian rhythms are uh, modulated through through our eyes and light coming into our eyes so red light into the eyes would uh, also improve like your eye health so to say and uh, it also aligns the circadian rhythms better especially if you're doing it in the like um, in the evening or later parts of the day because that's like mimics the uh, sunset and uh, Happy birthday, Seam. Wish you all the things you wish for to be true. I just metabol I just ordered metabolic autophagy in the cookbook, and I'm so eager to get them delivered. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, thanks for uh, getting them. And uh, yeah, if you are up for the next book, then uh, Stronger by Stress is already out on Amazon. And uh, yeah, definitely, it's uh, it's more um, it in includes many other uh, these uh, similar habits and practices. In, in addition to fasting and ketosis, it's also focused on uh, like the sauna the cold, uh, as well as uh, NAD, I, I talk a lot about NAD, and uh, some other um, important factors for keeping your body resilient against stress, 
as well as even like EMFs and radiation. So can those things be a hormetic stressor? And uh, how can you uh, engage in, um, or how can you be exposed to them without uh, damaging your health? Do you have any good advice for learning the handstand? Uh, well, handstand is uh, one of those things that's going to just require a lot of uh, practice. So uh, yeah, I've been doing um, these handstands for maybe, you know, five years. So almost like on a pretty regular basis, like maybe I do them every other day. So uh, practice is important. If you can't, you know, get into a handstand yet, then starting off with uh, the headstand is the best place to start. Uh, because, um, yeah, you need to build up a certain level of uh, like strength and balance for that, for the handstand to be safe. Because you can, you could potentially like harm your shoulder joints and your like, um, your traps if you uh, put too much pressure on it too soon. So you need to build up like your shoulder strength as well. So doing like uh, shoulder presses is good, um, push-ups and uh, just you know hanging pull-ups are also good for that. So just the upper body strength. And once you get that down, then you need to be kind of conditioning your core to be more stable as well because um, you know you can hold a handstand like a banana <laughs> like a crooked handstand where you push all the all the uh, pressure and the emphasis on uh, the arms but you need to be kind of maintaining this sort of uh, like and so show like a, like this very aligned uh, like position where um, yeah something like that it has to be like straight straight to handstand and to teach that you have to gonna raise your arms as close to your ears as possible and uh, kind of almost hold them in a shrug and try to you know do this <laughs> try to raise your uh, arms as high as possible uh, next to your ears seem can you do some fitness videos like journey to 10 consecutive pull-ups uh, well maybe i could but uh, i think uh, a lot of people are already doing that sort of videos online, so um, <laughs> there there wouldn't be something innovative, and I wouldn't I I, th I think I don't have like any uh, like uh, secret tips to getting good at pull-ups, other than just do more pull-ups <laughs> and uh, try to uh, you know do them very consistently because I think uh, with the bodyweight exercises you can do them uh, much more frequently than weightlifting and uh, barbell exercises, so you can all, almost do them uh, almost every day, especially if you're like a beginner. Uh, but uh, ideally you would maybe want to do them like every other day uh, but yeah like getting the reps in and uh, a lot of uh, frequency is uh, the best thing for uh, bodyweight movements uh, does the sauna's antioxidant properties negate the effects of exercise in a similar manner to exogenous antioxidants and uh, no uh, because uh, saunas actually mimic exercise like uh, the saunas have almost the same similar benefits as exercise itself like um, it turns on heat jack proteins it stimulates autophagy it uh, boosts growth hormone and uh, activates ampk so uh yeah like saunas aren't the same as antioxidants or like vitamin c so uh compared to like yeah like vitamin c or uh, these high, high dose antioxidants those things could uh, uh like negate some of the benefits from exercise by suppressing inflammation and oxidative stress but the saunas uh, don't uh, do that the same way um, because uh, it actually promotes their benefits that you get from exercise by increasing growth hormone, increasing blood flow, stimulating uh, recovery. So the saunas are actually helping to get the benefits from exercise and uh, you can like recover faster from it as well. 
How do you combine diet with social events where high glycemic food is central? Will you go high carb for the sake of the social aspect? Stay social without eating or avoid the social event? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I can, I can, uh, I can uh, imagine myself doing all of those options. So it depends on uh, what kind of event it is and uh, what's my current mindset or what what do I like to do. So if it is like a high carb foods all the t all, all around me. Then I could eat it, uh, but I, if I were to do it, then I would make sure that like I uh, stay low carb before that, and I uh, would maybe like exercise, and I wouldn't uh, like eat a bunch of calories, and I wouldn't uh, like uh, eat a bunch of like high carb foods with a bunch of high fats. So um, if I were to eat those high carb foods, yeah, like I would, uh, I would uh, yeah like make sure that I maybe do like a resistance training exercise before that. Because uh, you know, doing uh, resistance training increases your insulin sensitivity, and you will and increases your glucose tolerance. So you, if you do eat those carbs, then those carbs will be just shuttled into the muscle cells. And uh, like you can also do like uh, post collateral damage, so to say, that you can go for a walk or uh, something like that to uh, lower your blood sugar and uh, not really worry about it. Mm. And the second options would be like, uh, would you stay social without eating or would you avoid the social event completely? Uh, well, um, you could also stay social without eating, but you would just... Depends on what kind of people are you with. So if you, ex ex if you explain it to them uh, well, um, then uh, they will probably understand. And if, even if they don't understand, then depends on how you... Uh, how you treat it or how you treat your own response so if you start to become anxious about it and you become like oh no i'm, I'm not like some freak and i'm, I'm not like starving myself uh, if you're trying to justify it <laughs> then they the other people will probably just uh you know mock you mock you or something like that but if you were to own it like you would say hell yeah i'm not gonna eat that crap <laughs> like i'm doing uh, something smarter than you or something yeah like if you just stay uh indomitable or you stay indifferent you have to not react you have you don't have to you have to uh, not freak out so if you, if you freak out then other people are going to see that you're anxious and you see they see that you're trying to justify yourself which is the wrong move so to say because uh, then they can push it further so they, say they can push your buttons further but if you uh, you know stay like i, I don't care uh, I'm like indifferent. Um, I have like this internal locus of control again, like I mentioned before. Then um, they probably just—they're uh, not gonna care. They're just not gonna care eventually. And uh, yeah, the, you know, they'll kind of understand. So that's what what you do. You just have to like stay within your own internal uh, locus of control and not be affected by the uh, feedback that you get from uh, the other people. And just have to like explain it well. You have to have like some good explanation as well. Like you know, I'm doing it because. Um, you know, I want to stay in autophagy or I want to uh, avoid this massive uh, incident spike. What is a good easy measure to know if my exercise is beneficial to longevity health? Resting heart rate? Yeah, well, uh, generally it's very hard. Like most people aren't going to reach this like overtrained state where exercise becomes uh, harmful unless they are doing like marathons and uh, like these uh, CrossFit uh, hit classes uh, every day. So most people will never reach there <laughs> because they're under training. Uh, but uh, yeah, some good things to pay attention to would be just uh, your uh, heart rate variability is a good indicator. So if you see your heart rate variability is uh, plummeting after you exercise and uh, on a consistent basis stays low, then you're probably maybe overtraining.
or at the same time you're not sleeping enough your other um, aspects of recovery aren't optimized then that's probably the reason why our heart rate variability is low so it, it may not be that the exercise is the one doing doing you harm it may be that you're like under recovered and you're not sleeping enough and uh, resting heart rate is also a good indicator of that so uh, a slightly lower resting heart rate does indicate like a good cardiovascular fitness and overall health but if it kind of spikes high then it may be because of the stress so even if you are exercising uh, but your heart rate resting heart rate is still high then it may be because of the stress and also sleeping problems so uh, if um, you're having trouble sleeping then it may be because of overtraining or you may be just drinking too much coffee so uh, like uh, sometimes people may let's say they sleep bad and they compensate for it by uh, drinking a bunch of caffeine and they're still going into that hit class so maybe they j and the the real thing that they would need is to just uh, take a nap or sleep a bit longer but they pound down the caffeine and they go hit the class uh, hit the gym and they'll just go into this vicious cycle of uh, stress and overtraining have you ever got golfer's elbow has recently happened to me from pull-ups recovery slow uh i i actually i didn't have golfer's elbow but i think i had like some tennis elbow tendonitis a few years ago on like the inner inner uh, inner uh, elbow uh it happened it wasn't like a severe tendonitis or something but it was like mild pain and i couldn't uh, do like proper pull-ups for a few months and it did like hurt if i uh, strained it so i got it from doing uh ring muscle ups <laughs> and it happened when i was uh wasn't like that proficient at it yet so i couldn't do like a I couldn't do like these strict the muscle ups that I can do right now easily, uh, and I was like uh, wasn't that strong yet. I didn't have enough uh, skill, and uh, that's when I just kind of overtrained it uh, because the muscle up is very technical and it does put a lot of stress on the elbows. So I wasn't re ready for it, but I still kind of grind it through <laughs> a little bit, and that's when I got some uh, minor tendonitis. The way I fixed that was slow. Like the first thing that I that or you need to do is to just uh, stop training it to not put additional stress on there because if you are constantly you know uh, poking <laughs> if you're constantly poking the elbow with uh, some push-ups or you know training the elbow then it's never gonna go into recovery and uh, you're gonna activating the injury all, all the time so that's why i had to kind of take take time off completely from there for at least like a few weeks uh, i think i personally maybe stopped training it for yeah maybe two weeks or three weeks and I only trained like other body parts during that time. And uh, what I also did during that time was uh, a lot of uh, these massages with this uh, tennis tennis ball. I like uh, you know did a massage with a tennis ball on the uh, elbow, and uh, that was a uh, good for uh, you know stimulating blood flow into there, helping to regrow some of the tissue and uh, like the um, tendons especially. So uh, that was uh, important. And uh, I also did some minor exercises. So I did like these very super slow, uh, strict push-ups. Uh, I can still do those without uh, in without exacerbating the injury. So I could do those like almost every day, very slow, um, steady push-ups uh, and uh, very strict to kind of just, the focus was, wasn't to find, to pound out a lot of reps. The focus was to just uh, promote blood flow and uh, stimulate growth in that region. So that's the important thing. Uh, and uh, what I would do now, like now I have the katsu bands. Now I would, I would uh, just uh, strap on those, and I can um, 
use them for like accelerated recovery because a lot of research does show the cotsobans are uh, amazing for uh, these uh, injuries like a broken bone if you're um, if you break a uh, arm you you're putting it into a cask and then uh, the um, you know the the disuse will eventually lead to muscle loss and uh, it's going to slow down the recovery whereas with the cotsobans you can even wear the cask and uh, you can p turn on the cotsu bands and the automatic cycles of these uh, pressure on pressure off cycles is going to pump blood into the uh, into the arm and it's going to release stem cells it's going to increase blood flow it's going to lower blood pressure and just promote the cardiovascular function and uh, yeah it it would it would um, prevent muscle loss and it would uh, also promote the recovery speed up the recovery so i would if i ever had like any injury again then I would put on those on a daily basis. I would uh, use them for maybe 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, even without, you don't even have to be doing like curls or push-ups with them. You can use them just the automatic katsu cycles on and off. And, uh, but you can also do like easy exercise with them like uh, biceps curls or um, some, something like that or push-ups. So that would be like pretty amazing for recovery. And I personally, I use them even as myself as well now uh, without getting injured. I use them for re on my rest days. Uh, for recovery and they're pretty amazing like they they can trick your body into thinking that it's lifting heavier weights without um, putting on a bunch of weight onto the muscle uh, what do you think about combining wine with meat i feel very good if i eat it exactly with wine but i'm afraid of alcoholism <laughs> well uh, i think uh a small amount of alcohol is probably fine, depending on uh, how much. So maybe like one glass of wine a day is uh, probably fine, because it does give you like this small hormetic dose or hormetic benefit. So uh, and uh, like studies studies also show that, or like some epidemiology, some you know studies show the uh, people who drink alcohol or wine on a regular basis have better health to a certain extent. Uh, I don't think that you need to drink alcohol to <laughs> to be healthy. But uh, if it's in moderation, then it shouldn't be a problem. Um, yeah, the, with with meat, the be best kind of uh, alcohol would be is is like red wine, because if you eat, if you drink like uh, these high sugar alcohols like beer or um, long drinks or ciders or even white wine, then that probably has too many carbs and uh, too much sugar, and uh, too much alcohol for that matter as well. Then, so only like the red wine would be better because the, you know, the, the resveratrol and uh, polyphenols in the wine. Uh, what do you think about UV exposure from being outside a lot? Are you concerned about skin aging? Well, uh, yeah, you probably don't want to get burnt. You don't want to get sunburnt uh, because it does, you know, speed up skin aging, cause wrinkles and uh, increases risk of skin skin cancer. Uh, so yeah, you don't never want to want to get get like uh, burnt. But uh, you know, some people have like a different tolerance to UV light. So if you're like not not used to sunlight, and uh, it's the first day of summer, and you go outside, you stay outside for like five or eight hours, and you get sunburned, and then that's not the way to go about it. So you do need to kind of build it up uh, the same way you do with like exercise or something. So if you do, if you are consistently outside on a regular basis, then uh, you you probably will build up some tolerance, uh, but you don't want to get uh, sunburned. And uh, what what I actually talked about with uh, Dr. Mercola as well on a recent podcast episode is going to come out uh, maybe next week we talked about how like these bad fats uh, vegetable oils and um, you know trans fats and inflammatory oils seed oils 
um, Omega Six, those things, they uh, they they basically make the UV radiation more dangerous and more damaging as well because like the they get there they themselves are already like oxidized and inflammatory but if you get exposed to the UV radiation on top of that then you're gonna get like an exacerbated response so you're gonna cause more more oxidative stress and reactive oxygen species so if you're eating like a bad diet then UV radiation for you is more harmful than if you're eating a healthy diet and you and you don't have uh, a diet that is high in these inflammatory fats so yeah <laughs> make sure you're not eating canola oil or you're not you're not eating uh, you know f fries with uh, vegetable oil and you're sitting outside because that's the worst combo or even like even like burgers burgers outside <laughs> with uh, UV, UV light vitamin E would protect against that um, the oxidative stress and lipid peroxidation so that, that's something to maybe use if you were hired by Joe Biden's campaign team to be his health consultant what would be your strategy or is it the last cause <laughs> well uh, uh, well, I, I don't think I would accept it, and you know, at the first place. <laughs> but if I were to uh, be asked to uh, help to improve Joe Biden's uh, cognition and uh, health, then uh, I would first look at his sleep, because, uh, like you know, Alzheimer's, in my opinion, is primarily offset, or like at least it's gonna it's it's uh, developed primarily through uh, poor sleep. So uh, during you know we do build up the, these. Uh, uh, these uh, beta amyloid plaques and uh, aggregates in the brain during daytime just by a mirror of being awake and we clear them out during uh, deep sleep so uh, if your sleep is bad then you're never going to clear out those plaque and those uh, aggregates so your uh, neurodegeneration is just accelerated so that's why sleep is probably the most important thing for uh, preventing dementia and uh, cognitive decline mm. and other things and for that I would make sure that you know there's a consistent sleep, wake, sleep uh, bedtime so you have to go to bed around the same time almost every day and wake up around the same time. Uh, make sure that you don't eat immediately before bed. Uh, make sure you sleep in a dark, completely dark room. You don't have like a bunch of blue light um, in the evening before going to bed because blue light can also suppress melatonin and uh, that is going to prevent your uh, brain from clearing out uh, those things, those plaques uh, during sleep. So melatonin is important. And even, even maybe like in the short term, I may even put him on a, like a high, higher dose melatonin supplement just to kind of catch up <laughs> so for, a, for maybe like a few weeks just to you know, like make sure that he goes into deep sleep uh, more recovery. And of course, like, the, you know, using some sleep tracker like O-Ring or some uh, headband or something that would uh, actually quantify the sleep and show what's going on. Because the problem is that as you get older, uh, it's harder for your body to get enough uh, sleep. So uh, older people are going to experience disruption in circadian rhythms by default so their body produces less melatonin and they stay in uh, the uh, deep sleep less and they sleep less uh, in total so people uh, may think that it's normal for older people to you know go to bed later and wake up earlier so they sleep generally less but the truth is that it's not that it's normal it's just that the body is, is less capable of producing the sleep hormones and staying asleep so that's like a major major problem and i think that is also one of the kind of uh, contributors to aging uh, in uh, older life especially yeah, if you're older the older and also like the circadian rhythms are also disrupted with age so your uh, circadian rhythms become more fragmented and uh, less robust so you're more vulnerable to sleep deprivation <laughs> so it's a it's a vicious cycle and a really 
it's a really yeah, bad uh, bad uh, scenario and one of the uh, only ways shown to reverse this process this uh, circadian disruption is calorie restriction and uh, the reason for that is uh, calorie restriction improves NAD metabolism and uh, NAD metabolism is really tied to your circadian rhythms and uh, sleep so uh, you know you don't necessarily have to be doing calorie restriction to get that same effect things that also do the same without calorie restriction are intermittent fasting time-restricted eating as well as um, exercise and NAD supplementation itself so uh, I would uh, combine time-restricted eating with maybe like an eight-hour eating window with a regular exercise routine and uh, the circadian optimization of uh, making sure that you don't have artificial blue light in the evening and uh, going to bed at the same time, sleeping in pitch black darkness, using blue blockers before bed, getting a high-dose melatonin supplement, uh, waking up in the morning uh, around sunrise or something and getting exposed to natural sunlight to kickstart the circadian rhythm and uh, yeah, in, during, the, during the daytime, still go outside frequently to synchronize the circadian rhythms and yeah like for him i would pro probably also uh for older people in general i would maybe probably have them on some uh nad supplement like a nad precursor like nicotinamide riboside or um, nicotinamide mononucleotide uh, but yeah like that would be like the first thing i think uh to look at of course of course there's many other things like uh, a full blood panel and uh, that sort of thing but uh, for overall to prevent the onset of neurodegeneration that would be like the foundation uh, good sleep uh, circadian rhythms, timer seeding, uh, exercise, NAD uh, optimization, and uh, and even like maybe some uh, auto autophagy boosting uh, compounds like uh, like maybe turmeric, berberine, uh, every once in a while, like in a cyclical manner, like to uh, get the benefits of autophagy, which would also help with uh, clearing out the plaque in 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 the brain. Hi Seam, can you share your pre-workout, intra-workout and post-workout nutrition for weight training? Possibly do a video in the future. Well, uh, I only have post-workout. <laughs> so I, I I personally, you know, eat almost once a day, almost every day. And uh, usually I eat after working out, so I work out in a fast state. And for that post-workout meal is just some uh, protein primarily like uh, that stimulate mTOR and uh, muscle protein synthesis so like for that some meats and eggs and vegetables is good I just like them and uh, yeah like the various uh, low carb lower carb tubers and the vegetables and for my like uh, pre-workout I usually maybe have like you know black coffee during the daytime and um, yeah like on some days I may even have like some bone broth or something uh, but uh, generally I stay like relatively zero carb throughout the day and like my intro workout would be this um, targeted targeted intermittent fasting that I do where I drink a protein shake during the workout so I don't do like 100% OMAD but I do um, consume my calories in the in the workout uh, window if that makes sense and that is usually like a some um, like a protein shake with one scoop of protein which is about 100 calories and it's going to give me like you know 30 grams of protein, which is uh, sufficient to maximize the muscle protein synthesis response. Quiz question. Create the best plyometric hit workout you can in two minutes. Go. <laughs> well, if you just want to get a hit training, then you can just, you know, 
jump up and down manically as, as as fast as you can and you know doing hill sprints or something is also one of the best forms of exercise for hit if you want to just max out completely but i, I don't think it's a good idea to like combine well i do it, it is fine to do plyometric and these uh, jumps with hit uh but um the if you're trying to specifically train plyometrics or explosiveness or power and speed then you should focus on that particularly and you shouldn't do it in a hit scenario so if you want to get jump higher then you have to jump higher <laughs> but if you do it with hit uh, like you know you jump up and down up and down for like a few minutes then you're gonna get tired and your explosiveness is gonna be much smaller than if you were to have like a full rest so if you do hit and plyometrics then you should do it as explosive as you can and take a full rest and do it again so that's how you build explosiveness and if you want to do hit you want to do like cardio and burn calories or just save time then just do something where you can max out on for uh, the short period of time and repeat it so for that uh, one of the best things are like just sprinting hill sprints uh you know like an aerodyne bike and uh any any kinds of this uh exercise where you can just max out do, do, do. anything we can do for your birthday <laughs> well yeah you i'll buy one of your books well yeah you can definitely check out uh, my new book stronger by stress on amazon and uh what are you there we go so it's a pretty cool cover and uh, yeah it's going to talk about basically all the things uh optimizing stress resilience and adaptation with these various hormetic uh, activities like fasting uh, exercise sauna cold uh, as well as stoicism so i cover a lot about uh, the psychology and mindset of how do you improve like psychological resilience and as well like uh, almost 50 percent of the book is uh, just focused on recovery and stress management so how do you avoid the chronic stress in general because uh, like sleep optimization is crucial uh, mindfulness and uh, those things are equally as important as the kind of exertion and the stress itself but yeah if you if you want to support the channel and support my work then yeah check out the book <laughs> that's the best way to do it and uh yeah if you do get it on amazon then uh leaving a review is also very helpful so it's gonna help to increase the ranks and just spraying the word so that, that would be the best thing any idea if regular bands work as well as katsu bands uh, well, the difference between like regular BFR bands and katsu bands is that uh, the BFR bands don't have the autonomic, um, the 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 automatic uh, cycles. So with the katsu bands, you get this uh, small device that uh, is going to plug in into your uh, bands, and it's going to turn. You're gonna turn it on, and it's gonna do automatically start applying this pressure. So you're gonna pump. Uh, a lot of blood without actually doing any exercise so i could be riding riding on my keyboard or i could be going for a walk with the katsu bands on and i can apply those pressures automatically and it would like just kind of it's almost like small massage that pumps the blood into the muscle you could you know get the regular bands as well but uh, for that you would ha still have to be doing some form of exercise for it so the katsu bands are like perfect for uh, treating injuries where you can't train like you can't lift something you can't uh, you have like a broken arm or a tendonitis something like that so the katsu bands are like ideal absolutely for that uh, but generally like you can tr maybe first try out the regular bands and see what you like but if you want to just get like the best best thing then the katsu ones are the best ones so that i was in a tafaji phase but suddenly i ate something is there a way to reverse the situation and get back into a tafaji well, uh, the thing with that is uh, that depends a lot on many things like uh, 
and depends on what you eat. So if you eat, let's say, jelly beans or uh, a protein shake, then uh, you do probably inhibit autophagy in that moment for at least like a short while. Um, you could get back into it like by just being physically active and exercising or starting to fast or uh, something like that. But, uh, you know, the key way to go back into autophagy is to kind of lower your blood sugar, lower insulin, suppress mTOR, and uh, put on some energy stress onto your system. So that for that, like exercise or uh, even taking, like, let's say if you eat carbs, the way to get back or get faster back into autophagy would be to take something that lowers the blood sugar. So maybe like berberine or uh, chromium mm, or maybe cinnamon or apple cider vinegar, those things that would uh, lower the blood sugar. Uh, but how fast you're going to go back into autophagy depends on yeah, how many calories you eat and uh, how metabolically flexible they are. Because, yeah, chances are if you're like healthy and you eat only like maybe 100 calories of something, then you can go back into autophagy like within a few hours if you do some, some physical movement. All right, well, I'm going to stop wrapping it up. It's been an over an hour. And, okay, we're going to do the giveaway as well. I'm going to give away one copy of my book, Stronger by Stress. So the uh, just the first person who is going to answer the question correctly is going to um, is going to get the copy of my book. And uh, the question is, what what did I study in college? <laughs> so the first person to answer this is going to get the free copy. Dum dum dum. Will anyone know? Will anyone guess the right answer? Nutrition, that is wrong. Physics, no. Anthropology, that's correct. Harout, harout. <laughs> uh, got the first answer correct, it's anthropology, yes. And uh, yeah, like if you message me on social media or Instagram or something, then uh, I will get your book out. All right. Where can I buy your book in Tallinn? The, the Stronger by Stress book isn't out there in Tallinn yet. And uh, the like the Estonian translation of metabolic autophagy is in Estonia, in uh, Rafaramat and Apollo Apollo um, bookstores, so you can get it there. But uh, if you want the English version, then you still have to get it from uh, Amazon. But the Stronger by Stress is also going to come into Estonian by the end of this year, so look for look out for that. All right, awesome, <laughs> everyone, everyone else, thanks, thanks for uh, joining the live stream. Had a good time. Thanks for all the birthday wishes.